as I mentioned earlier, we are continuing our series entitled One. One, and we've been looking at uh, Paul's letter in the book of Ephesians. And as we've been making our way through Ephesians, we've been looking at how exactly we're called into one life together and what that looks like. And so this morning, uh, we are actually looking at exactly what is God's purpose for our one life together. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it was equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God add his blessing to the reading of his eternal and holy word. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do come and ask that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to your word, that you would change us through your word this morning, that you would unify us deeper with you and deeper with one another. In Christ's name, amen. Well, last week, I had a big moment happen in my life. I had a first-time moment happen in my life. You know, you get those times, most of them are a little bit younger. When you're younger, you have firsts, right? First everything. Well, I had a first last Week at 31 years of age, I, for the first time in my life, ran a car out of gas. <laughs> and it was fairly dramatic the way in which it happened. It was not my car, that is my excuse. When the light came on, I didn't know how far I had. I thought maybe two days. I think I had two miles. But, uh, I was actually headed this way on Jackson, excuse me, on Dawson Street, and the car started sputtering. I thought, man, I've got to get over here to the gas station before I run out. So I 
turn a U-turn, and I'm now facing the church, at which point the truck dies on the road. So now I am parallel, not parallel, perpendicular on Dawson Street, blocking all traffic coming this way on Dawson Street. And our beloved Pastor Tim was there to help me. He went and got me a gas can, and while filling the car up, he also took a video (laughs) of me doing it. But it gets worse as we got the gas in the car, and I turned the key, click, the battery had died. And as I was waiting, uh, trying to figure out how are we going to get this truck, a battery, you know, jumper cables to the truck, the wonderful Thomasville Fire Department was on their way back from a call. And so naturally, what do they do? They turn the lights on the fire truck. And so now I'm standing there, I run a car out of gas, the car's parked across the street, and I'm sitting there thinking, this is great. How wonderful is this? And Tim laughing at me the entire time. We did get everything back to normal. However, uh, I learned a valuable lesson last week, and I was reminded of the importance of having a car full of gasoline. Very, very good practical reminder that we should all remember. But this morning, the passage that we're looking at, Paul is reminding us as Christians that it is just as important for our spiritual lives to be filled up with Christ. And in fact, one of God's purposes for our lives, our lives together as Christians, is to fill us, as we're going to see this morning, with Himself, to rule in our lives together as one. And what we're going to see this morning is this overarching theme of unity with Christ that we have and unity with the body, the church as one, this this body where all these different parts work together, but it's unity through diversity. So it's unity through different parts, all working together as one, but the goal of that unity is also to grow us, as we're going to see, in maturity. And so, unity, diversity, maturity, those are the three themes that we're looking at as we dive in this morning. Now, Ephesians 4 is the turning point in, in the book of Ephesians. It's the turning point. It's the pivot. You know, you guys are basketball fans, right? It's the turning point. It's the pivot. As a North Carolina fan, I'm excited about basketball season uh, coming up. It's the pivot in Paul's letter, Ephesians 4, chapters 1 through 3. Paul's been laying out who you are as followers of Christ. As Christians, Paul's saying in the first three chapters of Ephesians, this is who you are. And so you may ask the question this morning, well, who am I as a follower of Christ? Who are we as Christians? I am so glad you asked. Because in Ephesians, just just take Ephesians 2. And you say, who am I as a follower of Christ? Look at just Ephesians 2. Paul says that we are dead people who have been made alive through Christ. That is who you are. You who were dead, you're now alive. That you were children of wrath, but now you are children of the King of the universe. You are children of God. That you who were far off have now been brought near because of Jesus. That you who were strangers and aliens at one point, but when we trust in Christ, we become citizens of heaven and members 
of the household of God. Now that's just in chapter 2, and if that doesn't get you excited this morning, check your pulse, because that is good news this morning. And that, I, I, dare, I dare you to go read Ephesians 2 one, every morning this week and see what God does through it. See how it excites you about who we are as followers of Christ. And so we are, but who we are, what Paul is saying, who we are is not just good, moral people. What Paul is saying is that we're new people. We are new creations who have a new spirit, the spirit of God actively living inside of us. And so Paul is saying, this is who you are in Ephesians 1 through 3. And then in chapter 4, he says, now, go live like it. This is who you are. Now, go live like it. Look at verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, I'm pleading with you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is who you are. Now go live like it. If you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings movies and the return of the king, and if you remember in that movie that night, the night before the huge battle for Middle Earth takes place, and the elf king, Elrond, comes, and he's in this tent, and he confronts Aragorn, and Aragorn is this, this ranger, uh, this kind of lone wolf battle warrior who's been out fighting uh, with the, the fellowship and with this group of people. But the one thing about Aragorn is that not only he's a ranger and he's a pretty, pretty intense guy. Um, I actually would like to be like him in a lot of ways. But uh, Aragorn, not only is he a ranger, but he's the, the rightful heir and king of Gondor which is the, the big area right there. He's the king of Middle-earth for all human beings. That's who he is. Right? And so the elf king comes and he looks at him and he says, put aside the lone wolf, put aside the ranger and become who you were born to be. Put aside the ranger and become who you were born to be. And so he calls him up and he says, be the man that you are the king that you are. Stop being this lone wolf soldier. Be the leader and the king that you are. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to us. You are a new creation, so live like it. Walk in a manner worthy of one whose life has been changed by the gospel. Live like someone who, has been, who is aware of the fact that they were dead but now are alive with Christ. And then going on in verse 2, Paul begins to lay out what that life looks like. right? And so he gives us some great word pictures of what that looks like. And he says, we live in all humility. right? Some of you are really great at that. You even told me how great you were at humility. <laughs> live as a people who are humble. Live with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. I love that part because it generally refers to, to God's patience with his people. And if you think back and you look at the Bible as a whole, Old and New Testament, you read all these stories of the people in the Bible and you go, man, you guys really blew it. I mean, how, how you know, we look at them, we go, man, I would never do that. And then we realize we are that. And we do that and we realize just how patient God is with us. And in the same manner that we have experienced God's patience, we are to extend that patience to other people. 
people because of his patience with us. And then he finishes out verse 2 and he says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. And notice what Paul says right there. Eager to maintain the unity of the body. What that means is that the unity already exists. It's not something that we create. It's not something that comes from us. It comes from outside of us. It comes from Christ. Because we've been united with Christ, we are therefore united together as one. It also means that if it's not present, it's not God's fault. The reason that the unity is not maintained is not because of God, it's because of us. And so we have to look inwardly if there is a lack of unity that we are experiencing in the church. And so the clear call to maintain unity is followed up right here where Paul reminds us of the fundamental unity that the Christian life is based on in this beautiful, beautiful part right here in these two verses, verses 4 and 5. There is one body and one spirit, just as you recall, to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And if you notice the list, three of these allude to the unity that exists in the Godhead. The unity that exists in the Trinity. And that same unity that exists in the Trinity exists inside of each one of us as followers of Christ and exists with us as the body of Christ. But interestingly, Paul goes on to say, the way that we maintain this unity is through diversity. Look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens. Why? That he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is diverse, not just for the sake of being diverse. It's not just for diversity's sake. But we've been given gifts for a purpose, that we might be filled up with Christ. God's purpose is to fill us up with himself, to fill up all things with himself. And the way in which he fills us up is by giving us gifts where we experience him both working in us and through us. You have not been called into a new creation. You've not been become a Christian <clears throat> so that it's this great relationship with you and God and you can keep it all to yourself. He has gifted us each individually as a whole so that while we are blessed individually, we are also blessed corporately together. And so it's through the diversity diversity in the church, the diversity of the body that we obtain unity. And if you look at the list of gifts here that, that Paul lays out, 
It's just one of five. There are five different places in the New Testament where there are these types of lists that list all these spiritual gifts. And all in all, there's about 20 of these different gifts. Now, I know that some of these gifts, some of you may look at them and go, these are not really spectacular spiritual gifts. And it's like, well, guess what? The God of the universe has called you to himself and called you to be a part of his work here, his kingdom work here on the earth. And those 20 things, that doesn't even, that doesn't even hit all of them. There's still more of them. And so while you may go, well, that's not very important. Yes, it is. It's extremely important. Otherwise, God wouldn't have talked about them. And so chances are, if you go, well, I don't have any spiritual gifts, you got a 1 in 20 shot of hitting one of them. Surely you can do that, right? And if you are a follower of Christ, guess what? You hit at least one, if not more than that. God has uniquely gifted each one of us. We each have a contribution, which is more than just showing up on Sunday mornings. Let me just say that if you're not using your spiritual gifts, you're missing out. You're missing out on who you are and who God has called you to be. But also, if you're not using your spiritual gifts, then we're missing out. We are missing out on you not utilizing those gifts. We've got hands and fingers and eyes and ears and legs and toes walking around out here, and we're missing out on them. And we're off balance because we're not using them. And we're not as good as we could be because you're not dived in and you're not plugged in. That's why we're doing the 210 Project on Wednesday nights. The 210 Project is to help us answer the question that every human being has asked from the beginning of time. Why am I here? Right? And we've, we've found is that we're here to connect with God and with each other. And so the 210 Project seeks to help us discover where we fit in God's story, how God has uniquely gifted you to build up the body. You know, this, this Wednesday night, Don Aikenbrandt will be here. And Don Aikenbrandt is one of the authors of this book. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't been here yet, if you haven't come, don't worry. Come this Wednesday night. 5.45 right here. We feed you dinner. And, this, and one of the authors of this book, someone who God has gifted and equipped to help the saints, to help the church figure out how they are gifted and equipped, somebody who's good at this, somebody who's a professional, is coming to tell us about how we can do that, about how you can do that. And again, you may say, well, I haven't been here. I'm missing out on it. Look, if you've never been to a conference or never been to a talk where the author actually comes, guess what the beauty of it is? You get the whole book in 45 minutes. That's why they come. When they're here in person, they can do it way quicker than you can trying to sort through the book by yourself. So be here this Wednesday night to hear Don speak. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. And there is, it's just exciting to think about what God is going to do and could do through the 210 Project. And so... Be here for that. So we're diverse. And you look at your body and you go, yep, every part's different. And every part has has a role to play. And without one part, the other part, it doesn't work as good. So while we're diverse, it's through diversity that we obtain unity. But it's at the same time that through diversity... We grow in maturity. 
And right here, Paul starts to get a little confrontational. So if you start to wiggle a little bit, don't take my word for it. Take it from Paul. Listen to what he says, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by every human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's Paul saying here? Grow up. That's exactly what he's saying. Paul is saying, hey, grow up. In chapters, remember, in chapters 1 through 3, Paul has been saying that as a Christian, you're not just a good person. You are a new person. You have a new spiritual birth. When we become Christians, we have a new life that is infused in us. Now, in the physical sense, we have a name for new human births. And what do we call those? Babies. Right? Well, Paul has a radically new name for what we call new spiritual births. Babies. Uh, it's the exact same thing. When we become Christians, we get new life. And it's awesome and it's amazing. But we also are babies in our faith. And it's a wonderful, amazing, marvelous thing to become a new creation. And to become as alive as you're ever going to be. But... To stay a baby, not so good, right? Now, as the father of three children, ages five and under, this resonates with me very much so. I love my, ch- I love my children. They are wonderful. I love them right now, right where they are. But I also don't want to, them to stay right where they are forever. Now, some of you, some of you, have told me from time to time, don't wish this away. You're going you're to always uh, wish that you had these moments and these, these things back. And while I, I understand where you're coming from, I think you forget. <laughs> you forget what it's like being woken up multiple times starting at 1 a.m. and then 3 a.m. and then 4.30 a.m. from different screams that come throughout the house from different people and you're just trying to understand what's going on. And if someone has lost a limb, and it's not that they've lost a limb, they just heard the dog moving in the house. Uh, or they're hungry at 3.30 in the morning. But uh, while I love them as kids, I don't want them to stay as children. I want them to learn. I want them to grow. I want them to mature. I want them to go out of wearing diapers to go into the bathroom on their own. That's a big deal. That's a reason to celebrate growing and maturity, right? Because that's what babies do. And that's what Paul is trying to say here. He's saying the same thing for us. Grow up. And yes, it doesn't matter how old you are. He is talking about you. 
because he is talking about himself as well. Look at verse 13. Until we all attain the unity of faith, until we, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now he has apostle status here, and he is saying that he needs to grow up, um, and he's not doing it alone. So there's something about it for us as well, if, that it, if it's an, a, something that Paul's got to do, it's the exact same for us. And so you've got him saying, don't be a spiritual baby. And I just quickly, the mark of a spiritual infant. So what are those? What does that look like? Tim Keller points out three things real quickly that I just want to highlight on. Verse 14, so we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You know, the first thing here that you can kind of see is that, that babies have a lack of discernment. You think about it, right? Real babies, they don't know the difference between medicine and candy. That's why they make child-proof caps on bottles, right? Oh, there's a Tic Tac. No, that's not a Tic Tac. That's daddy's blood pressure medicine or whatever it is. Uh, they, they, they don't know the difference between what's good and what's poisonous. No ability to discern, right? They can't discern what's good for me and what's going to kill me. Now, for us as spiritual babies, unless we're studying the Scriptures and growing in our understanding of God's Word, it's no different. Unless we're growing in our ability to understand who God is and what He's doing and how He interacts with my life, we're going to experience a major lack of discernment, a major ability to discern and understand who God is and what He's doing. And no way to confront different doctrines and teachings. So that's the first thing, a lack of discernment. The second thing, babies are self-centered. They are completely self-absorbed and unaware of anybody else's presence and or desires. Now, Kelly has often told me, especially when she's at home with the kids all day long, she will get to a point from time to time where... The older two are just at, at, everybody's at the end. And she will politely tell them, I do not negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) No negotiations. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship. And the answer is no. But they want what they want. When they want it, and if they don't get it, what happens? They get their feelings hurt. They pitch a fit, or they take their ball and go home, right? And so what happens? They have to be trained that their desires are not the only desires in the world. They have to learn that their desires are not the only ones that matters within the family unit, within the context of the family, that you aren't in charge, and that you you have to learn how to be a contributor because we're in this together. And it's the exact same way here with spiritual babies. They're completely self-absorbed. It's all about them. They're always getting their feelings hurt because somebody said this or did this or something didn't go their way. And so when they, didn't, when they don't get what they want, they pitch a fit. And essentially they view the church as the, the church exists to serve them. 
And so growth here is learning that it's not about you, but that you're part of a whole, but you're, you're part of a whole and you're uniquely gifted to become a contributor to the whole. Second thing, and then the third thing is that babies, they, they aren't steady. They're just not steady. And if you think about a baby, no physical steadiness. They have the attention span of about three seconds, if that. Um, now, granted, it gets older. You know, as they get older, it gets better. But Charlie just learned to crawl. Our youngest is crawling all over the place. And he plays with something for about three seconds. And then he, he moves on to something else. And he moves on to something else. And he's just constantly bouncing here, 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 here. There's no stability. There's no steadiness. You come to my house, and it gets a little better as they get older, but not much. It's like I've got professional bull riders in my house everywhere, in every room. They play with something for eight seconds in one room, and then they go to the next room, and the next room. And so you go in, you go, how did this get in here? Where did that come from? It was in the yard. And it's like, I don't know, but it's there. And spiritually, it's the same way for us. Spiritual babies, spiritual infants, they're not stable. So let me ask you a question. You come to church and get convicted by something, but do nothing with it. If so, you're a spiritual baby. Or maybe you don't know what it's like to follow Jesus, even though you don't feel like it on the day in and day out. Do you know what that's like to, to when it gets hard to pursue walking with Christ? This idea of a long obedience in the same direction, that the Christian life isn't a sprint, but it's a marathon. So let me ask you this, where where do you need to grow this morning? Where do you need to grow up? In a commitment to God's Word? To plug into a Sunday school or a small group? To plug into the church? To commit to serving? To living out who you've become? That who you've been called to be? Maybe it's a commitment to stop contributing to the disunity. And become a contributor to the unity. My encouragement this morning is to think about where is it God's calling you to grow up. And then tell somebody about it and have them keep you accountable. Hey, this is what God's doing in my heart and life. Help me do this because we're in it together. Paul's encouragement is to grow up, grow up together because it's who we are in Christ. So this morning, let us put aside the babies and become the men and women that we were born to be.